It's time for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome inside the studio. Tanner Hoops along with Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Glad that you're with us as we make it through the work week. It feels like the week has gone quickly, Jake, and I know I say that quite a bit, but especially so this week in the sense that all four major sports are back. They're all in action tonight. This is a fun time of the year, and I say that a lot too, but the weather's starting to change for better or for worse. We're getting... Uh, into the fall season to the point where football playoffs are starting next week. Every sport's going on right now. It's a great time of the year for somebody like you and I in the sports media industry. A great time of the year to be a sports fan. Plenty going on. It's always something to watch on TV or a game to go to, it feels like. That's what I love about this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's a far cry from, from the summer when we're sitting up here. I know t- you weren't here, Tanner, for the for this past summer, but um, it gets pretty slow in the summer, mm-hmm. so we're always, you know, I know... Uh, the previous host Blake and I would sit up here and, and just wish for for this time to be here. So it feels good. Um, you know, I actually watch a little NBA. I, I never really get into the NBA be, when the NFL is in full swing and things like that. But you know, I was in it last night. I'm I'm pretty entertained. There's just too much going on in the NBA not to watch early on in the season. You got players moving around. Obviously, LeBron mm-hmm. moving uh, to LA and and just uh, just young teams that I'm just really excited about. I just want to see them take the next step. I mean, like you said, you know, there's there's all types of sports. We got playoff baseball going on. Very good series between the Milwaukee Brewers and, and Dodgers um, going on right now. And and you know, it's just it's a fun time, like you said. I mean, um, pick your poison, whatever one you want to watch, and, and, and get into it because uh, it's just a great time of the year. So let's talk about basketball. We'll start there with the new NBA season tipping off a couple of nights ago. What game were you watching last night? Uh, actually, I wanted to see the Pistons. Obviously, okay. the Pistons in and the Brooklyn Nets. I knew Brooklyn was going to come in and and make it difficult. Mm-hmm. I know with Dwayne Casey coming in, um, it's a very exciting time. Uh, you great hire, by the way. Very great hire. You know, he took that Toronto team, took them to the next level. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. couldn't take them to the next level. Um, so, you know, the, the Raptors' loss is the Pistons' gain in my mm-hmm. eyes. Um, I just kind of wanted to see what the difference was going to be um, in this game with with the way that the team kind of played. Um, it, it went pretty much how I thought it was going to be. They were, uh, the Pistons were led by Blake Griffin and, and Andre Drummond. Um, I figured I'd see a lot more threes mm-hmm. um, going into that one. But um, kind of a sluggish start. I was kind of worried a little bit, obviously, first game of the season. But uh, the Pistons were able to sneak out with, with a, a three-point victory. So that's nice. I think if the Pistons just play to the, their potential, I still think they need mm-hmm. a third guy that could score the ball. I know Reggie Jackson's a scoring point guard and things like that, but I just don't trust him staying healthy. I think they need to find a third scorer. Um, Blake's obviously in that superstar category. Andre Drummond's right there, but mm-hmm. um, they can only do so much. You need a guy that can really take the ball out on the perimeter and, and be a threat. Um, and I just don't think they have that third scorer. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and they're strapped. They're strapped with money. You know, they haven't been able to have any draft picks because of that Blake Griffin trade. So, so right now it's just who's going to develop um, in the team to be that third guy. I know Stanley Johnson is a guy they, want, they were high on, but he doesn't seem to be that offensive guy they need. Um, Kennard's a young guy that could step in and, and really score, but uh, they played Bruce Brown last night out of Miami. This rookie, I was like, who is this guy? What's going on here? So definitely need to find another guy on the perimeter out there, but overall, that Pistons game was really fun to watch. Their front court is excellent. Their front court is a little top-heavy when you look at the rest of their lineup. They just don't have that shooting threat from the outside. You get a guy like Andre Drummond, 24 points, 20 boards last night. Pair him up with Blake Griffin, and who's going to match up in the Eastern Conference with that front court? But you got to be able to shoot the ball at the level as well they're gonna have to keep scoring points the way they are they went over the century mark last night both them and milwaukee did but it can't be a a season where they have to outscore everybody 
And it's looking like that's going to be what they have to do right now is you don't want to get into a track meet. I mean, it's just not a recipe to win, to be victorious with. Uh, you're going to need to find some perimeter shooter and a defensive specialist at some point because a team like Brooklyn should not be putting up 100 points on you. No, and it just seems like obviously the trend in the NBA right now is is uh, teams are going guard heavy. They mm-hmm. want to be a perimeter team. They want to shoot a lot of threes, and they want to score a lot of points. It kind of seems like with the Pistons, they've been always going against the grain a little bit. You know, They're building their team kind of more traditional with that heavy front court. Um, and things like that. So you kind of wonder how they're going to match up. And it's, it, it, it is interesting defensively on um, what they're going to do. They're obviously going to have to play that three, and, and want, they want to get their opponents to, to drive into that lane, into Blake, into Drummond, and things like that. But, um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's interesting just kind of where they're at as a team. And for me, it's just it just doesn't seem like there's, there's like an end in mm-hmm. sight just because of, of the cap space issue and things like that. And how they didn't have any draft picks and, and and have you. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think, that, like I said, I do think they might sneak in as a, an eighth seed. If I you kind of look at the landscape in the East, you know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, you know, they could be, really beat anybody if they mm-hmm. play a good game. Um, but it's all going to be about staying healthy, and it's all going to be about, you know, Drummond doing what he has to do and being consistent and, you know, just finding that, that score. Because, like you mm-hmm. said, if it's a track meet, I don't know. It's it's hard for the Pistons. I just don't think they have enough firepower to keep in or consistently stay in games like that, especially when you talk about going out west with those high-powered offenses. When you look around the NBA landscape, and everybody, almost everybody, has played one game so far, I see eight Eastern Conference teams as being better than the rest of the pack, and I see Detroit as being one of those top eight they get in. I think the top two spots will be Boston, Philadelphia fighting for it. Uh three and four, Milwaukee, Toronto, kind of a toss-up between those two. Indiana, I see, is the five, Washington, the six, and then Detroit and Chicago, I think, go for seven and eight. And again, we're one game in, and this is way too early to speculate. So much can change. But Detroit is a team that should make the playoffs with the talent they have. They won't make it in as a high seed, and they won't go past the first round. But they're a team that should be good enough with what they have right now, including the coaching staff, that they should at least get in. Right, and I, I just don't think it, it never was about talent. I always thought the last few years they've had the talent to be mm-hmm. a playoff team, but I just think under the old coaching uh, regime, the consistency just wasn't there. You know, the effort wasn't there. And obviously health is a big thing when you're, you're arguably your third best guy, Reggie Jackson, is hurt most of, you know, every in and out of the lineup every year. It's tough to find consistency, mm-hmm. and you're relying on guys like Ish Smith. I know they got Calder on there now, so, I mean – they're kind of scraping together. We talk about gluing a team together. They, they got some guys that have some experience and, and things like that. But like you said, it's it's wide open. I do see it, it being similar. You know, Indiana's one of those teams. You know, if you put Detroit up against Indiana, mm-hmm. they can hold they can hold their own against Indiana, teams mm-hmm. like that. I think they can hold their own against Washington in a series. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think under Dwayne Casey, you're going to find a little bit more consistency. Um, he's obviously a player's coach. You know, guys seem to, to kind of like him, who've played under him. So um, I do think the effort will be there. I think he's just kind of figuring it out, obviously a new system and things like that. But I think down the road they'll be fine. I think there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Um, but I hope a little bit more ups and downs this season. When you look at Milwaukee, they were an attract me to their own last night. 113-112, to 112, they get the win over Charlotte. They survive a 41-point effort from Kemba Walker. I had Rachel Zerby from ABC here yesterday. I asked her... If you're the Milwaukee coaching staff, your coach Bud, what do you do to try to slow down Kemba Walker? 
And the answer really was make everyone else beat you. Meet the, make the other guys do it. Kemba did all he could to give Charlotte a win last night, but we're seeing that there's not a whole lot around him, and that's going to be Charlotte's problem going forward this year. That's why they're going to miss the playoffs. Right, and I just want to start off by, did you see, I mean, the court Charlotte has. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, it brings back that, those vibes, those old school vibes. You know, I really like what they're doing there in Charlotte, just, just bringing it back. But um, Charlotte's, you know, Kemba's been the face of that franchise, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't give Kemba Walker uh, credit even no. to what he's doing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, playing in Charlotte, a t- uh, franchise that doesn't really get talked about a lot. You know, kind of buried in the East. You know, he doesn't get a shot that he likes. But I mean, you look back at his UConn days, just how good of a scorer this guy was. He, it translated well into the NBA. You know, he's he's having a nice career. Unfortunately, you know, it's in there in Charlotte. I, re- mm-hmm. I remember what was it uh, last year? A few years ago, the Pistons were kind of linked to trade talks with Kemba Walker. Walker and I was, you know, I was like, let's get it, let's mm-hmm. do that. You know, because he is a scorer and things like that, and he's consistent with it. Um, but yeah, um, interesting to see Milwaukee what they're trying to do. I know in the preseason they they were one of the top three teams in field uh, three point field goal attempts mm-hmm. and percentages, and and they're throwing up just a ridiculous amount of threes right now under under uh, Budenholzer, another another uh, fresh face there in Milwaukee. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see if Antetokounmpo can really be consistent with that outside shot. Um, he's been, you know, taking it down court, handling the ball, and just pulling up for threes. If, I mean, if he hits, he hits those threes. I mean, good luck. He, he's going to be pretty much unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just going to come down to what, like you said, uh, surrounding cast. And you know, they've had the talent. They've been a team. You know, obviously in the playoffs, they took Boston to uh, to the edge there mm-hmm. in that series last season. So I mean, it's there. Um, you just kind of hope Budenholzer can kind of hold chip and. and take them to the next level but i do like watching them play mm-hmm. that's the type of basketball i like i like a lot of threes i like up and down and and they have a superstar in, in uh Antetokounmpo. so mm-hmm. um obviously milwaukee i think steps ahead of detroit and a little bit more uh right now ready to to make a run so mm-hmm. i do expect them to be a, a top four team you know i have to see them I do too. probably number four mm-hmm. i think toronto will be a little better than them but mm-hmm. then milwaukee will be there probably at like four I like Budenholzer. I liked him when he was at Atlanta. I thought that was a great pickup for Milwaukee as well. They have a strong offense, but you look at Giannis, and they don't have the, the supporting cast to get them over the top. And they'll be one of the best teams in the East. They'll be one of the top four, but they'll likely be fourth out of the four. They need a few more role players, a few more key pieces around Giannis if they really want to contend for the Eastern Conference because right now they're a good team but they're not elite among the NBA. Giannis, you just get the feeling he's one complimentary piece away from the Bucs being a serious Eastern Conference contender. Yeah, I I mean, I'd agree. They do have a nice cast there. They Mm -hmm. have a lot of guys that, you know, they're defensive guys. You know, they can put the ball in when you talk about Chris Middleton or Malcolm Brogdon. But Mm -hmm. they need, you know, in today's NBA, even though they have arguably a top three player in Giannis, I think Giannis is easily a top five player. Mm Mm-hmm. But like you said, they don't have a guy that they can consistently rely on. You look at teams like, you know, Philadelphia. What is their weakness? They have mm-hmm. two guys. They have Embiid. They have Ben Simmons. Who's that third guy? And that's what's going to ultimately be their demise when you talk about going up against a team like Boston. Now, Boston is a team that's ready to win now. They're my NBA champion this year. Really? I'm calling it right now. All right. I'm calling it right now. They're going to win the championship this year. Hold this clip. Save this clip. Um, the Warriors are going down. We'll see. All right. Um, but I do like Boston's a team that they just have it together. They have an mm-hmm. all superstar point guard. 
two young wings that can you can, you can rely on. If Jalen Brown's not doing his thing, then you could you know kick it over to Jason Tatum, who can drop thirty at mm-hmm. any point. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, and and then you have those you know you have guys like Rogier and Smart and bigger guy you know down low you have Horford who's uh, today's NBA big man who can score from the inside shoot the three and things mm-hmm. like that so I think they're a ready team but same thing with Philly they don't have that third guy mm-hmm. Milwaukee they don't have that third guy Toronto up there in Toronto I don't really know what their roster reshaped roster looks like mm-hmm. but who's going to be their third guy um, you always need one or two you know two three guys in today's NBA to to be successful to take that pressure but. Um, we're going to see. We're going to see. I, I wouldn't put it past them. Be honest, could just take over and, and win games, so we'll see. Well, you wonder what the standard is going to be for Milwaukee. Would they expect a successful season to be? Because it's not like there is no support around Giannis right now. It's there, and they're going to be a top-four team in the Eastern Conference. A lot of teams would kill for that. I mean, that's a pretty successful season, especially getting into the postseason win, win a series. But what is the standard going to be for Milwaukee in Coach Bud's first year? And what are they expecting out of this Bucks team? What are they expecting out of Giannis? What's the standard going to be for Milwaukee is the big question as far as how you measure success this season or what they may have in the years to come. You mentioned Boston, though. Golden State, I think, is the most talented team in the NBA. But Boston, I believe, is the deepest. Boston has guys that they can go about 10 guys deep, and they will not miss a beat. You talked about Al Horford, a guy who can play well down low, step out and shoot the three. As of last April, it all happened about the last month of the year. Aaron Baines can do the same thing. I love Aaron Baines. He's, great. He's a great compliment. Yes. You know, I always liked Aaron Baines. Mm-hmm. He, he was in Detroit for a while. I loved him. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out, he does the same thing and adds that to the to his aspect of the game. And Boston looks like their team primed to go for the East. And In Boston's case, if they don't win the East this year, season largely is going to be chalked up to a disappointment. So what's going to be the standard for Milwaukee? What will it take this season for the Bucks fans to be satisfied. We'll take 50 wins, a playoff berth, winning one series in the playoffs. What do you look at if you're a Milwaukee fan? How do you measure this season in terms of success? You know, obviously, if I'm a fan of a team, I want my team to, to obviously compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. If you're being real about the situation, you know, they took Boston right to the edge last season. I think as a Milwaukee fan, if I was a Milwaukee fan, I would be hoping, obviously, to make a push to the playoffs. To be able to battle with these top teams, with Philly, mm-hmm. with with Boston, with Toronto, you know, be in those games, and I would, if I'm not winning a playoff series, and I'm not going into that, you know, making it deeper into the playoffs and, and challenging, um, you know, just to, to to be in that conversation, then I think it's a failure. Mm-hmm. Any step back is a failure. I think they need to be a top four team in the East, even under Budenholzer, and because they have the experience, these these guys know what it takes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think they need to win a series, and I think they need to, to you know, push deep into the second round and and just make things interesting and just take. I don't expect them to take a huge jump. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to beat. I think Boston's definitely a better team. They have too much firepower, and I don't expect them to compete with those top teams in the West. But they need to win a playoff series, mm-hmm. and they need to just make some noise. I can realistically see Milwaukee finishing ahead of Toronto, getting the three seed in the Eastern Conference. I wonder. Did Toronto get better this offseason by swapping Kawhi for DeRozan and then bringing in rookie head coach Nick Nurse? And Iwin, by the way, uh, grew up an hour south of my hometown. Oh, nice. They bring him in and replace Dwayne Casey, who neither of us think should have been fired. Did Toronto get better this offseason? 
it's it's hard to say. I, I mean, don't think they did. I don't think they did. They might have gotten a little worse. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen Kawhi play in over a year. I know he's you know when healthy he's really really good. Mm-hmm. We talk about messing up chemistry. I know Lowry and DeRozan and those guys had a lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, were perfect fits for the system and things like that. Anytime you do a coaching change, you're gonna when you swap swap out your best players and then have a coaching change mm-hmm. that can go two ways. It could really you know, make the team better or you're going to get worse. You're not going to stay in that, that, you know, that same space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it, it's a risky move to where Toronto was at. But Toronto had to make changes just because they couldn't get past, you know, uh, LeBron. They couldn't, yep. you know, he, they, he was just a thorn in their side. Maybe if they held on one more year to see, <laughs> it might have been smart to see LeBron leave and then maybe they could do something. But I don't know if they got better. I don't think they got better either. I really don't. From a player standpoint, strictly on talent alone, what they put on the floor, I think it's about an even trade between Kawhi and DeRozan. But the off-the-court issues and how he affects the locker room, I think they got worse. I think Kawhi does more damage to a locker room, far and away more than DeRozan ever could. I wonder if we would have just seen last year's Toronto team and this year's Eastern Conference, would we be talking about them potentially winning? the Eastern Conference, because right now nobody seems to be. Everybody seems to be high on Boston and Philadelphia. I wonder if we had last year's Toronto squad with DeRozan and Dwayne Casey at the helm, if they would be the odds-on favorite to take the East this year. But it just doesn't seem to be anybody's pick to do it this season. No, I think just because of all those questions, it kind of makes people wonder. They don't really know what they're going to get yet. I Mm -hmm. think, obviously, if, if Toronto comes out and is on fire early on the season, that'll change really quick. Um, but if you look at just that Toronto team, you know, they were the top team in the East for, for how long uh, last season? Um, and they were playing really good basketball. So I would think if you talk about that team coming back with all the chemistry and things like that, I think they would be right there. I think even with Philly, even with Boston in the talks. Um, so I guess if you look at it that way, people do think they might have got a little worse. We uh, owe you a timeout, but the last thing before break, I want to leave you with this. Where does a team like Cleveland's, a LeBronless Cleveland Cavaliers team, stack up in this year's Eastern Conference? Will they finish above or below a team like Charlotte and a guy like Kemba Walker? It's tough. It's a yeah. tough question. I'm not sure where Cleveland fits in this because we haven't seen them without LeBron for so long, but we have seen them about LeBron yeah. re- recently enough to know it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. Um, they're they're going to be – I, I kind of just wonder what the vibe's there. Mm-hmm. You know, are they just happy? It seems like the players are happy. Uh, people don't like – it's been said that people don't like to play LeBron. Is that pressure mm-hmm. off of them? Are they just okay with just being the Cleveland-less LeBron without any expectations? Um, they might play. They might play decent just mm-hmm. because they don't have that pressure anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's expecting them to do anything, so you know you're you're really just kind of playing with house money all season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't think it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Kevin Love's a leader now. You know, Kevin Love a few years ago was a really good player, was mm-hmm. a leader of teams and and things like that. But where do they stack up? I think they're definitely in the lower half of the the East and. Um, I don't think we're going to be talking about Cleveland anymore. I know Tristan Thompson was in the media saying, hey, we're the mm-hmm. this many time Eastern Conference champions until that ends, and it's got to come through Cleveland now. You guys aren't going to be doing much. Sorry. We've got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us today. We'll take a timeout. More coming up in the sports pen after this on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP mobile app.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casino in Berga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. We've hit on the NBA plenty. We'll go a little deeper into it. We were talking off the air during the commercial about Kemba Walker, a guy who is in a franchise that's not going to do anything in the next few years. They don't seem to be in the market for making any moves to become a contender. He's a free agent next season. He reminds me so much of Mike Trout, the situation where he is. I, I don't think he's on the same level as Mike Trout in their respective sports, but he is in the situation that he would very, very much be a, a useful asset to a contending franchise. They might be enough to get him uh, to put them over the top, a guy like him. He's got to get out of Charlotte, kind of like Mike Trout has to get out of L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. Looking around the league, I know you want Detroit, but where would be a good fit for a guy like Kemba Walker? And maybe it is Detroit. I mean, I like I like him in Detroit. I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm, I'm a Piston fan. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a nice little... Uh, mix up with you know with Kemba with Drummond and, and Blake there. I think I mean anytime mm-hmm. you can add a talent like that, I think it's it's good. But how much different really is he than when a Reggie Jackson when he's a scoring point guard? Mm-hmm. I mean things like that. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. What about Milwaukee? Milwaukee could use a guy like that put over the top, another scorer. We said that before. Imagine him and Giannis. Up. It would be tough to stop. Mm-hmm. I mean I think that I think Milwaukee would be a great fit if you wanted to go to a team that you know is right there on the cusp. We talk about another. Another option, I think mm-hmm. he would be, he would be perfect there. Knowing the NBA and how it's going, I'm sure he's probably headed over to LA with LeBron. Who knows? Golden I know, State. I know that. Yeah, maybe Golden's. <laughs> maybe he'll play for Golden State for a year, sign just a, a, a minimum just for fun or something. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, a, a couple teams that could definitely use uh, mm-hmm. Kemba Walker. I think Milwaukee might might be a team that could really use him, and I think you know use him well. So let's say you're the front office for both Milwaukee and Detroit. What are you willing to give up to get a guy like Kemba? Because Detroit is short on draft picks as it is. So what are you willing to give up? What do you have to give up for a guy like him? And have to give up a, a draft pick, obviously, mm-hmm. a higher draft pick. I mean, if you're in win-now mode, I don't see why not. Why, why not? I'm, I'm but a is Detroit in win-now mode? Did you, huh? Is Detroit in win-now mode? I think they have to be. You're talking you think about, so? I think you have okay. to be. You, got, you, can't, you can't, with Blake Griffin there, Mm-hmm. You know, with Drummond there. I mean, Drummond's still, he's been in the league for like 10 years. What, how old is he? 22? He's not getting younger, <laughs> and uh, Kemba's not getting younger. Right. Blake Griffin's so certainly bringing, not getting yeah, younger. Yeah, so you have all these, like, middle, you know, 20-age. You know, I'm not saying they're old. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that. But, you know, the, you know, older guys that have been in the league, um, that you, you if you're going to get them on the team, it's, it's, it's you, we're winning now. Mm-hmm. We're not, it's not a plan. I um, mean, I don't think if you're selling to Kemba, what your plan is like, yeah, we're going to be good in about five years. Why don't you mm-hmm. jump on board and, you know, and, and t- ride out your career. And right at the end when your career is over, we'll start getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you're going to have to give up a high draft pick, first rounder, maybe give up a player. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really know as much as how the NBA trades work. I know it's harder. But, you know, money would have to, to kind of even out too. So, If it were a situation where they would offer Kemba, but you had to part with either – Drummond or Blake Griffin? There was no other option. You had to lose one of them. Would you do it? I wouldn't. 
You wouldn't do it. I don't want to do it. Okay. Uh, not Blake or not Blake or Andre. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Um, okay. But if I had to, I would. You know, Blake, I guess. But I don't think that's an even trade. Okay. I would right. with him. You can't get you can't get rid of Andre Drummond. He's just no. You know, he's just so unique. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty and twenty a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just one of those dominant centers. Um, yeah, if you could somehow get Kemba with those two guys, I think that's dangerous. He's not staying in Charlotte after this no. year. I mean, no way. He why would he want to? He wants to go somewhere he can win. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't blame him. There's a lot of teams out west that can that can mm-hmm. want him too. Well, how about uh, Minnesota and the whole situation going on with Jimmy Butler? They played their first game last night. Played well. Jimmy Butler played well, but end up losing to the Spurs on uh, their opening night. What do we expect out of the Timberwolves this season? Because they'll they're a team that should be a playoff team. And I still don't think Jimmy Butler really wants to leave Minnesota. I think he's doing this is a publicity stunt to get his guys motivated. I just don't see him wanting to leave. I mean, he, he holds a players-only meeting the day after flipping out at practice. You don't do that if you really want to leave. I have, I have a lot of thoughts on the whole Jimmy Butler thing, but I don't think he wants to leave Minnesota. It is certainly a distraction. So where does this Timberwolves team go? Like, how good can they be given the circumstances? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what is what happened to Jimmy Butler over the offseason. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this guy is just, you know, maybe something just clicked where he felt like in order for this team to take the next step, he just had to start acting a fool. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what it's going. But I agree. It's getting to the point now where it's just like, all right, now this is becoming a distraction. You got your point across. Mm-hmm. Let's try to win some games. And they should have, they should beat the, they should beat the Spurs. Yeah. I'm sorry. You got enough talent on that, that, that roster that you should have beat the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see them. I just see them being one of those middle, you know, pretty good teams out west. I don't, you know, get into the first round maybe yep. and, and win a game or two at home and get knocked out. I just see there's, I think there's a lot more. Just I think Oklahoma City's better than them. I think even Utah's better than them. You know, I think if they played like a Portland Trailblazers team, I could see them losing to like a Trailblazers team. Um, obviously, I, I could see LeBron knocking them off in the first round, you know. So um, they're just one of those teams that – Minnesota's always been a franchise. They've been always like – in the past few years, pretty good, but they just can't get over the, the, the hump. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening for him. We got our first look at DeMar DeRozan in a Spurs uniform last night. 28 points. That was a team high to lead San Antonio. He's a guy that I'm so excited to see how he fits in Greg Popovich's system because that guy's a basketball wizard. He knows how to take talent and bring it to another level. He looked good last night. LaMarcus Aldridge looked good last night. Timberwolves to themselves, they, they had scores they didn't execute defensively and like you talked about they're a team that should be good enough to be you know they should be a mid playoff seed in the western conference something like a five seed maybe but last year they snuck in on the last game of the regular season i know there were injuries and everything going on that hampered them a little bit and they still got in or bounced right away if they don't take a step forward this year they have a similar season to last year they sneak in as the eighth seed get bounced in the first round, is that it for Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota? I mean, yeah, I, I, you would have to try to make a change. I think he would be the first to go. I'm thinking so too. Um, you know, Tom Thibodeau's had a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had his moments to where his teams are playing really good, scrappy defend, defensive teams, but he just wears out his welcome. Mm-hmm. And I think it's already happening there in Minnesota. So, I mean, if they have another underwhelming year, you know, when Jimmy Butler came in, they were talking championship aspirations. And, yeah, 
I would say someone has to to take the blame, and it would be Tom Thibodeau. I would see him um, not being there next season. Well, you talked about how you need maybe two, sometimes three guys to really be a power franchise in the NBA, to be a serious NBA Finals contender. I'd argue Minnesota has that between Butler, Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns. Why aren't they dominating the NBA, or at least the Western Conference with a, with a uh, big three like that? I mean, that should be enough to get you into a top three franchise in the Western Conference at the very least. It should. I mean, but I think that's what Jimmy Butler is getting at. I don't mm-hmm. think the, the Wiggins and the Carl Anthony Towns really have, have that, you know, Kobe Bryant mentality, mm-hmm. you know, go for the throat um, every single night, go to work type of deal. Um, obviously, both those guys still super young. Um, Wiggins has been in the league for a minute. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's where Jimmy Butler is getting so frustrated. I think mm-hmm. he believes this team can take that step. I just don't think the mentality is there. And that's why you saw him go into the first practice and really just embarrass mm-hmm. embarrass them um, and to kind of show his dominance and say, I'm, this le- I'm the leader now, um, deal with it, and I'm going to bring us to where we need to get. Mm-hmm. Will he do it? I don't know. But I think that's been the issue. They don't have – you know, I think there's guys out there that have that mentality, the Westbrooks and the Paul Georges mm-hmm. and OKC. Those guys know what it takes. Um, obviously, with the, the Warriors, they have guys who've done it before. Um, so I just don't think they have them. I just don't think the mentality is there. I just don't think they know how to, how to win. And I don't, you know, the culture is just not there right now for Minnesota. Well, when you look around uh, the NBA and the landscape and how much it can change on a day-to-day basis, uh, you start wondering where some possible landing spots for Jimmy might be. We heard Miami was, you know, a possibility, and it seems to, that they've uh, had a few chances to do it, and they have been able to close the deal. It would have been fun to see him play alongside Dwayne Wade. I just don't think it'll happen. What I'm looking at from Jimmy Butler here, I don't think he wants to get traded. I think he's just frustrated with how things are going in Minnesota. So what he's doing is trying to motivate his team, get them to the point where they're angry enough, they want to take it out on the floor and play that full potential. His end goal might not be to get traded, but he may not mind it if that's what ends up happening because he knows he's not going to win the title this year in Minnesota. He wants to be on a competitive team, but he knows the Wolves aren't going to knock off a team like the Warriors or the Celtics. So maybe he just wants to get traded to a fun city and make a lot of money in the process, become rich. I, that's that's what it seems like seems it's like happening to good, me. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> because if he really wanted to get traded, where has this been this entire summer, this offseason? I mean, this didn't happen until about a couple of weeks before the end of the preseason. I just don't see this as a legitimate, authentic, trade me, I'm out of here situation. I mean, he's he's got an ulterior motive. Yeah, and I can see where you're coming from as well. And you just maybe you wonder, and maybe his his group around him just started putting stuff in his head to where mm-hmm. you need to get out of here. Maybe he wants to go to L.A. Yeah. You know, maybe he wants to go to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a bigger market and, and cash in uh, that way. You know, marketing wise and things like that. Um, you know, maybe he just sees the writing on the wall. Hey, we're not going to get it done here. Get me mm-hmm. out of here. Who knows? Um, it's hard to see. Maybe Tom Thibodeau really is just that bad of a coach, players' coach, and. He really just doesn't like the guy, mm-hmm. um, and is is miserable there. Who knows? Um, but I could definitely. I mean, now that LeBron's in LA, all the all I can think about is these players going to LA. I don't know what it is. Well, I can see Jimmy Butler going to LA. Yep. You know, I can see Jimmy Butler possibly down to Miami. Um, you know, there's a lot of franchises that could use him. Well, he didn't say the Clippers were a were a possibility that he'd like to get traded to, and that's another thing. You say you want to be on a winning franchise, but you want to go to the Clippers, the Heat, and the Knicks. 
I don't get that. that that's <laughs> no, not no. authentic. You know, maybe he's looking as maybe. The thing is, with the NBA, I feel like these guys are know each other so well. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like they're t- maybe this doesn't happen. It probably doesn't happen, but they're they're texting each other like, "Where are you trying to oh, go?" I next bet season? it happens. You know, I would I'm, doubt about, it. I'm gonna, you know, my agent's talking to New York, the mm-hmm. Knicks. You know, Kyrie. Maybe heard. I don't think he's gonna do it. It would no. be dumb. But like like that, you know, mm-hmm. let's meet up in in New York or something like that. Um, or LeBron trying to recruit guys and things like that. But I'm not going to LA, the LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. Now that LeBron's there running the city, you know the Lakers are going to be contenders. You do not want to be in a Clippers uniform. You're going to be an afterthought there in LA. It's going to be bad. Um, I'm always down for Miami. Mm-hmm. Any sport, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay, play for the Dolphins. I'll play for the Heat. It doesn't matter. I'll play for the Marlins. Play for the Florida Panthers if they really Whatever. To. Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm down for, for the Miami trip. Well, uh, you mentioned LeBron going to L.A. We get our first look at him tonight. His team travels to Portland, take on the Trailblazers this evening. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not a Lakers fan, but I'll probably tune into that game just because it's a storied franchise, and it's the best player on planet Earth right now. Starting his uh, new journey, new city, new team. It's compelling stuff. You get to see him play alongside a guy like Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. And how does he bring their game along and develop? Uh, Rajon Rondo is part of that group. He made it pretty clear the other night. He wants to be the first player ever to win a ring with the Celtics and the Lakers. Is square them off against guys like C.J. McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard. I mean, it's going to be a fun atmosphere for basketball tonight. I mean, that's going to be that's the game to watch. Oh yeah, definitely the game to watch and and. I just want to. I think people are forgetting just how much of an impact LeBron actually has mm-hmm. on a team. I know he's getting up there in age, but I still think he's he still has more than what a lot of players have. You mm-hmm. know, he's physical. The athleticism is still there. I still think he has another couple years to where he's going to be like jaw dropping, really good. Um, but I think people are kind of underestimating what he actually brings to a team. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lakers are going to be really good this year. Um, I know LeBron was kind of the the alpha dog there in the East. There wasn't a lot of competitive competitive teams there and things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he holds up a team in the West Mm -hmm. when you're talking about playing all these Western Conference teams. Um, Because a Portland Trailblazers team could easily knock off the Lakers, you know, tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, that team is is up and down. But when they're on their game, they have the talent to do it. And there's not an easy out there in the West. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think LeBron's going to obviously – kind of be a facilitator in the beginning, try to get Brandon Ingram the ball, Kuzma uh, the ball as well. Um, I do think signing all those vets was a nice move just because they kind of bring a little, even though they're unbalanced mentally, most of these guys, <laughs> they'll bring a, a balance on the floor and they'll just bring that edge. They, they just want to be a bunch of goons out there, um, you know, with Lance Stevenson and, and getting people's heads. I think that's going to be the key. Um, but I, I do expect LeBron to kind of play facilitator and then pick and choose his spots and just think it's going to be a close game. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I can't wait. How about uh, last point before we go to break? We'll jump back to the Eastern Conference. You saw Boston the other night open the NBA season against Philadelphia. Kyrie Irving is the face of that franchise, and he had a very poor game by his standards. It came out with just seven points, made one three-pointer. He's one for eight behind the arc. He's a guy that when he went down last year with injury, they carried on better without him than they did when Marcus Smart was injured. Now, I don't think Marcus Smart's a better player than Kyrie, but some guys are a better fit in certain systems. And as much as I like Kyrie, he's my favorite player on the Celtics, I'm not sure that he buys into Brad Stevens' system. Kyrie wants to be the superstar when he's on the floor. He came from Cleveland to get out of LeBron's shadow to be the superstar somewhere. 
Brad Stevens' system's not about that. It's about taking um, somewhat mid-level guys and bringing them up a level, getting the most that you can out of them. And he's done that, elevating the games of guys like Rogier, Brown, and Tatum. And those guys have been buying into the system, and it's been paying off for them. Kyrie seems to be fighting it, and that's why the Celtics seem to miss Marcus Smart more than they did Kyrie last year. I want things to work out that Kyrie can be in Boston because I think he's a top NBA talent. If he's not, however, you might look at him as trade bait for Boston. But what more could you want? That's a complete Boston team over there. I don't know what they do with Kyrie. What do you think? Right. This is kind of like me playing NBA 2K in mm-hmm. franchise mode. I've collected all this talent, mm-hmm. you know, the draft picks, and I'm still not winning for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, when, you, when I try to simulate it. Um, but I do agree. I mean, he's had his up and down moments in Boston. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a ball-dominant guard that likes to get to the rim and score. But, I mean, he's just such a good talent. You can't – I just don't see them wanting – you can't let him go. You've got to have him on the team. Um, if they do tr- try to trade him, you, you're right. Who do you, you go after? You're not going to try to get another point guard. Um, you could try to maybe get a big man for him, possibly, another big man, or you know, just get maybe some more draft picks and go out and get Zion Williams there you go. next season or something um, and just continue doing what they've been doing, collecting draft picks and, and bringing in talent and just nailing the drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta just you gotta let it work out. I know it's one game in. He had a poor game. Obviously, he's a little rusty. Um, I think he'll figure it out. Kind of gauge where he's at mentally. I don't see why he would want to. Leave. You can't leave a better situation. You know what I mean? Um, I know he's won a championship already, and like you said, he wanted to be the superstar somewhere. A lot of young. There's a lot of superstars on that team, mm-hmm. or young guys who are gonna be superstars on that team. Uh, Jalen Brown is my favorite uh, player. I think he's gonna be a, a good guy too, but. As a point guard, you can't ask for better. You know, you got wing guys that can do it all around on both sides. Um, you got the depth. You don't have to do it all. I don't see what what the, the issue is. Well, we got to keep them. We got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in the studio with us. We'll take a timeout. More after this in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP and the ESPN UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casino in Barriga and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Duran of CBS Marquette. Well, we touched on the NBA for the majority of the show. Let's switch to baseball. League Championship Series both in action yesterday. Brewers were right on the cusp of taking a commanding 3-1 lead a couple of nights ago. End up falling in walk-off fashion, 13-inning thriller. They lose last night 5-2, to two, so now their backs are against the wall. Brink of elimination. Series comes back to Milwaukee, though, and resumes tomorrow night. But they've got to come out with two wins in a row against a Dodger team that's starting to figure it out. Yeah, that, that uh, late game where they lost, that was the one. Mm-hmm. That was the one, man. And now you're seeing it. Last night, obviously, Milwaukee's pitching uh, obviously was was a big factor coming into the series. Um, kind of let them down last night. Um, trying to do some, some tricky stuff there with the pitchers last night. Not really. Sh- I know it's something that, that baseball teams do. Um, mm-hmm. Tanner, maybe you can fill me in on, on just the reasoning behind it. But, you know, uh, it's... A, ultimate a, power move. Ultimate power so move. So much respect for Craig Gassel yeah, after so doing it. I, I thought it was out of desperation. I don't really know. Um, but 
uh, I don't really watch baseball like that mm-hmm. to where I understand the dynamics and things like that. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a playoff baseball watcher. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, wait, okay, um, what's going on? But that game was huge. I think I think I see the writing in the wall. I think Milwaukee's going to win in Milwaukee. They're going to go back, goes back to L.A. for the fun. Mm-hmm. Stays in Milwaukee. Oh, stays in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to – I think Milwaukee's going to win um, that that next game. And then, you know, I just hope they can – Pull it together and mm-hmm. and win at home. I think the home home field is going to be big, um, so we're going to see. Hopefully, they can uh, pull it off. I, I have Milwaukee winning the whole thing. I, mm-hmm. That was I just threw it out there, guys. All right, I just threw it out there. So you said you know, Boston, of, the Celtics are going to win the NBA title, <laughs> and the Brewers are going to win the World I'm, Series. I'm a fan of the underdogs. You're going hard. And the, this is what I do, man. Cleveland Browns for Super Bowl Fifty Three. <laughs> Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. Okay, <laughs> Green they're going to get things figured out in the second half. Hey, of this the year. is bye weeks. It's huge. For them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just throwing out random now. Um, you know, I just kind of threw it out there. A lot of people had the Dodgers kind of easily winning this mm-hmm. series, but obviously Milwaukee's showing their resilience, so I think maybe they could pull it off. Um, then they have they have a pretty tough matchup if they, they move on as well, obviously. So uh, you mentioned uh, the pitching situation Craig Council did yesterday, and in case the listeners missed that for whatever reason, you haven't been paying attention to baseball in the last day or so, Wade Miley was the starting pitcher yesterday for Milwaukee. He had every indication that he was going to be the guy going on three days rest. Craig Council put his trust in him, and Council removes him after the first batter of the game. They're laughing in the dugout, joking and everything, and it wasn't like he struggled against him. He got Cody Bellinger out, then just took him out after one batter into the game. Craig Council, Wade Miley are laughing about it. It was planned the whole time. It was pre-scheduled that Wade Miley is going to go one batter into the game, and only... Craig Council and Wade Miley knew it. So then the bullpen goes in, and Craig Council loves to go with the opener strategy, or the initial outgetter, whatever you want to call it. The latter's what he prefers, and he wants to get a little bit of length out of his bullpen. He knows the Dodgers have the edge in starting pitching this series. He tries to take that edge away from them, and it almost worked. It was the ultimate power move from Council. I don't know how much he tried to elude the media or Dave Roberts and the Dodgers into thinking that Miley's going to be his guy. But it worked for whatever reason, and it would have worked maybe if he didn't try to get Brandon Woodruff into the fifth inning. Woodruff gave him the second, third, fourth, the rest of the first, by the way. He gave him three and two-thirds solid innings. Got into the fifth, and he ran into trouble. So it worked in the sense that Woodruff gave him some good innings, you know, yet almost four out of a reliever, pretty good. But he just left him in there too long. And it's one of those things that Council's going to learn as he continues to go through the opener strategy. He's going to learn how to manage his pitching better. Keep in mind, still a relatively young manager, just his fourth year. But the bullpen's got to be better for Milwaukee. I know Woodruff was left out there for a fourth inning. It's something he's still capable of doing, not easy, but he's shown he can do it. And the Milwaukee bullpen has just not been as dominant as they're used to being in this Dodgers series. Certainly, Jeremy Jeffress hasn't been. Need Josh Hader to be, uh, to be the Josh Hader of the regular season, and for the most part he has been, but the bullpen's not been the dominant Milwaukee bullpen we're used to seeing, and that's their biggest advantage of the Dodgers in this series. It has to be better in Game Six and Seven, because like you saw yesterday, Dodgers flex their muscles, which is starting pitching, and Kershaw, he looked like vintage Kershaw. Yeah, I mean the guy's a superstar, obviously, and I agree. When you have one. One aspect of your your team that's you know you have maybe the slight advantage in, if you're not getting the top performance out of that advantage, 
then you know your chances of winning the series are aren't great. They're going to need a superhuman effort out of a couple guys um, in these next couple of games. They're going to need something just amazing to happen. And obviously their bats are going to have to they're going to have to be hitting um, and and hitting the, you know off these these Dodgers pitchers um, because obviously on paper coming into it we knew it was it's going to be tough for Milwaukee. Um, they've been holding their own. You know they've been they've been scoring early and just not being able to hold the leads. Uh, now it's going to be defensively. You know. Will it, can the bullpen pull it together? That's what it's going to come down to. Earlier in this series, they saw Walker Buehler, who had been the most consistent starting pitcher uh, for the Dodgers until this series. Then he had a, a rough outing early on. Kershaw had a great outing yesterday. So now they're going to have to go through him at least one more time if you want to win this series. Whether he gets game six or seven, you looked great against him the first time he pitched against you in this series, but you got to go through him again. Can the Brewers get to him twice, or how do they stack up against Dodgers starting pitching? I mean, the offense has been okay. It's going to have to be better. They've come up with big hits, uh, but they're not hitting for average. It seems to be the mantra of the team, at least in the last few games. Offense has had the big hit, but they're not getting enough of them is what it seems to be. And the offense is going to have to be better, and I think it will as they get to Miller Park. That's going to be a huge advantage for them. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to... Like I said, they're going to have some superhuman efforts out of out of some guys swinging the bats. Obviously, their their power hitters and Yelich and, and guys like that are going to have to be be who they've been and then some. Um, and they're going to have to jump on these guys because obviously, with with who they have on the roster and the guys that can hit, um, they can score a lot of, a lot, and and then they can just kind of drown you with with good solid pitching. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, these guys are going to hit better at home and things like that in front of the home crowd, but I do see them winning the next game, and, and I think it's going to come down to just some crazy something's going to happen in this final game, and I'm just hoping Milwaukee comes out on top. We will have game six and seven, if necessary, right here on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Brewers retake the field tomorrow night against the Dodgers. Game six in Milwaukee. Game seven would be Saturday night, should it be necessary. Both those games would be heard here on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Speaking of what's coming up on ESPN-UP tonight, Westwood Patriot football. That's a 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff here on ESPN-UP and the app. Following that, we will join the ALCS in progress. Astros taking on the Red Sox, game five of that best of seven series, and the defending champs, on the brink of elimination, their backs are against the wall after an 8-6 loss last night. I didn't stay up to watch it. I went to about, I turned it off after the eighth inning. That's when it really started getting good. How about the bases loaded situation? Bregman is up. That's probably maybe the only better option you could have is Jose Altuve. But Bregman's a great guy to have up in that situation. Chance to potentially tie the game with one swing of the bat. And Benintendi just absolutely robs him that was filthy but boston's one game away from heading to the world series uh, yeah i mean you knew boston was a good team but i always thought houston was going to be able to I did do you know i thought they were going to handle them and be able to you know obviously get back to the, the world series and things like that but um you know boston is one of those teams that has shown that you know they're not going to back down they they've played houston very well and and it's, it's a series that i haven't kept my eye too too close of an eye on um i knew obviously boston was doing well in that series but um you know just huge plays being made by the red sox players and that's the type of thing you need to do when you're talking about a defending champion you, you gotta you gotta do some crazy stuff and uh i think i think boston is one of those teams that they're a surprise and i think 
um, I would like to see a Boston-Milwaukee uh, World Series if I could. That'd be great. I, I'd love it, and it looks like we certainly have the possibility of doing it. Uh, of course, you had the controversial fan in- interference call last night. Excuse me. And uh, it, it's just unfortunate that this series has been somewhat marred by controversial calls, uh, umpiring mistakes, what have you. Uh, the Boston offense, though, has been the biggest story, and that's the biggest difference to me why they're up three games to one in the best of seven series. I thought Houston was going to roll to the World Series because of their pitching, supplemented by their offense. Their starting pitching is the best out of any of the playoff teams. I thought that'd be enough to carry them. They hit just as well as anybody else that's left. I thought that was going to be enough to get them over the top, especially when you consider Boston starting pitching hasn't been as good as it should be, particularly David Price in the postseason. For whatever reason, he struggles, and yet Boston's out here slugging like you wouldn't believe. And We knew they had good offensive firepower, but they've taken it up to another level here in this postseason. They're showing why they won a franchise record 108 games this year. Jackie Bradley Jr. the other night, grand slam home run to burst the game open in uh, game four. By the way, that's just the first time that a non-pitcher is in a postseason grand slam out of the nine spot. Jackie Bradley Jr. does it. Guy who didn't hit well. You wondered in June if he was going to be an everyday starter going forward. And now look at him and what he's turned it on. This Red Sox team seems to be peaking offensively at the right time. Yep, and, um, you know, you talk about Bradley Jr., he's going to be one of those guys that would be remembered if they went on and, and did, you know, won the whole thing. He'd be one of those guys you talk about uh, if you talk about the championship year. Um, but in any sport, it's so important to, like you said, just be peaking at exactly the right time. Um, and when you're hitting well and guys are feeling it, and you're getting confidence, and you have those big plays happening. Um, you know, it obviously juices the whole team. And I think that the Boston Red Sox, they're confident. Um, you know, they know who they are. They're one of the best Boston Red Sox teams that ever, you know, play. And, and that's a storied franchise, obviously winning that many games. Um, you know, I think they're I think they're ready. I think, I think you know, it, they, it, they're going to continue doing what they're doing, and I think they're going to obviously close out the series. So um, it's it's it's, it's crazy to think you know a team like that um can just come in and and just play big like they have been and and take um kind of neutralize what houston came in you know with that starting pitching with that advantage and then just kind of neutralize them and kind of just take away their spirit away a little bit we've got jake duran of cbs marquette and studio one more time out we'll come back and finish this thing off here on espn up the espn up app check out the up's live and local sports talk show the sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the espn up app welcome back to the sports pen on espn up don't forget pigskin paydays back pick the winner of each week's game to win play all season long for the one hundred thousand dollar grand prize only to jibwa casino and Berga and marquette tanner hoops joined by jake durant final minutes of today's sports pen let's quickly touch on nfl uh, another week starts tonight and it's going to be denver taking on arizona not excited about this game, to be honest with you. I no. mean, that's just not... I don't know who thought this would be a good primetime matchup, but even if they're both you know, having somewhat good seasons, which they're not, who would have thought, this is the rivalry I want to put out? There's no rivalry there between those two. What's compelling about this matchup? There's nothing compelling at all. I'm not really, not really too interested in this one. Denver still don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a t- their defense isn't as good. Um, and obviously with Arizona... 
They don't have a quarterback they either. They don't have a quarterback, really. You know, they don't have much going on there as well. Not a lot of star power in this one. You know, Von Miller's there and then mm-hmm. guys like that. Um, but, you know. It just—it doesn't seem there's not there's no excitement here. Mm-mm. Where's the excitement? Do you, are we going to see a lot of points? I have a couple guys in fantasy that are playing. Okay. That's why I'll tune in. Yep. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. Let's let's do something tonight. Um, but yeah, this I, I see Denver winning tonight. I do too. Um, ugly though. Ugly. But they'll will, win. You know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. It's going to be a traditional Thursday night football game tonight. Thursday night Thursday night football has been on fire though. It has been talk this about season. This season. It's been much better. I've been loving the Thursday night games. They've mm-hmm. been really good. Um, except for last week. Except for last week. That was week. a bad game. Tonight game. will be a bad game. <laughs> okay, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But um, prior to those... Vikings and Rams was great. That was great. Jets and Browns turned out to be great because yeah. Browns finally beat the streak. Right. So you had a little, you know, some storylines. There have been some good ones on this year. Right, right. Um, but can Denver pull it together? Their division is insanely hard. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about the Chargers and now the Chiefs they have to deal with. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see. I think the, the Denver defense is going to going to hold pat and really make things difficult for the uh, the Cardinals offense because you know they don't have a quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm high in the Chargers this year. I think they're going under everybody's radar. Four and two start this season. I don't think they'll catch the Chiefs, but I think they'll be a, a playoff team as a wild card. Uh, what do you think? Where where do you see? L.A. finishing this season. I, I do like the Chargers. I do like – I think they have the best receiving core in the NFL when you talk about, mm-hmm. the, you know, the top three guys. Um, obviously, Phillip Rivers is, is a, a veteran, you know, knows what it takes. Uh, Melvin Gordon's a guy that's really good. That offense is pretty potent. Um, can Boza stay healthy? I think mm-hmm. that's going to be huge. Melvin uh, Ingram and things like that. I think their secondary is really good. They got Derwin James. I think from top to bottom, they're really talented. Very talented team. Um, I, I was always saying, let's see L.A., L.A., mm-hmm. Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I think both teams have a shot. Um, but, yeah, do, I mean, don't count, out the, don't count out the Chargers. they got Keenan Allen there. Um, I think what, Mike Williams, mm-hmm. I think it is. Uh, I think they have two Williams. Pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they're just one of those teams that are super talented. They have, you know, playmakers at all positions. I know they got blown out by the Chiefs in that matchup. That was kind of disappointing a couple weeks ago. But... Yeah, I mean, they're one of those teams that, that can be sneaky good, and you do not want to face them in the playoffs. We've got a better Thursday night football game you and I are going to attend this evening. Westwood visiting Nagani, high school football. That's a compelling storyline. Not only is it a rivalry with the close proximity between the schools, but a lot on the line, a lot to be decided. Obviously, Nagani playing for a playoff berth right now. Latest postseason projections have them as one of the first five outs. So they're right there on the bubble at 5-3. and three. Uh, probably doesn't help. They have a forfeit victory as one of their five wins. Westwood has two forfeit victories to give them six wins on the year. They're at six and two. Right now a three seed in a district along with Calumet and the top seed, Traverse City, St. Francis. A lot to like about this game. It's going to be a good matchup. Nagani's played really well as of late. Westwood has played well when they've been able to take the field. They've had to win by forfeit two of their last four games. This is going to be a slugfest, though. I'm excited for this one. I do think this is going to be a really good game, and obviously this is our local three game of the week. Um, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of storylines that touched, went to Nagani's practice. They're jacked up for it. Obviously it comes down to this this game. They know what's on the line. They know it's a rivalry game, and, and I just like how Nagani's been playing. You know, they've been able to put it together in all three phases. Um, you know, it's a, it was a younger team coming to the season, but I think guys are understanding their roles now and, and who they are as players and what the schemes are and, and what is expected out of them. Um, 
you know, Westwood has kind of been up and down all season, but they've been playing really good when they've been on the field uh, at home in front of that home crowd there in, in Westwood. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good game. I think, you know, obviously Westwood is going to just try to pound the, pound the ball, and it's going to come down to can, can Nagani stop the Westwood running attack. That's what it's going to come down to. If they can play good defense, storm the ball, and stop, you know, Beckman and stop Bergman and Delangelo, then, you know, they're going to have a shot. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough uh, for this Nagani team because I, I do think Westwood, when it's all said and done, will win the game. Um, but you just never know. I think if, if De- maybe Devin Duchesne can – uh, or Drew Duchesne, excuse me. Drew Duchesne can run back a kick or something. Maybe it, it'll it'll switch it up, but we'll see. Jake Duran of CBS Marquette, our guest for today. Jake, as always, appreciate you being here. Look forward to seeing you tonight over in Nagani. Yep, it's going to be a good one, and thanks for having me again. Yep, we're going to have that for you here on ESPN-UP this evening, also on the ESPN-UP app, pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7. Myself and Dave Bowes on the play-by-play. That's it for us. Until then... We will see you later. We'll talk back at you tomorrow unless you're tuned in to Westwood Patriot football this evening. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoop signing off for ESPN WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.